0: I want to thank you for joining us uh, here at the Grand Ole Opry, and uh, next week Brent and the singing servants will be bringing us the works of Billy Joe Shaver, and that great hit, You Just Can't Beat Jesus Christ. It's actually a really good song, and uh, thank you for that, that was was good, that was good, yeah. It's a... but I tell you, heavenly sunlight was torturing me because that just sounds too good right now. And i just take some ordinary sunlight for a little while. But ah. Speaking of light, let's wrap up this series on light. And the fourth lesson is about salt and light. We started out with the word from Genesis where God creates the universe. And the first thing that he creates is light. He, I guess, generates electromagnetism. I don't know how he does this, but he, he creates light, and light has so many different meanings physically, philosophically, theologically. and Light is what it takes to create life and to create this universe and to create the ways of God in a um, chaotic world without, without meaning and purpose. Then we looked at Jesus and Jesus' statements over and over again, especially as recorded by John in his gospel, that he is the light. He himself embodies the ways of God, the truth of God, the teaching of God, that he himself is that light that brings light into darkness, that brings peace and order into chaos. And last week, we discussed what it meant for us to walk in the light to no longer walk in darkness. Sin's not our master. God is our Lord. He is our Savior. He's rescued us from all of that. And now we get the favor of being told by Jesus that we are salt and light. I've just got um, three, three simple verses from Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And yet there's so much in these verses. These are the first verses that I ever memorized in my life and uh, I I remember them and I I I don't want to become overly familiar with them but it's always meant a lot to me so let's let's share this together. You can find uh, Matthew 5 and uh, it'll be on the screen here here's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount He's proclaimed uh, that uh, those who might think that they're not blessed are actually the ones who are blessed. He's talking about the way of the kingdom. And he says to his followers, to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's the word from the Lord, the teachings of Jesus. And I want this teaching... To be memorable to you too, just like I memorized it, but I want us to, and maybe you've memorized this verse too and it's very familiar to you, but I want it to be memorable to you when you leave here today. I want you to take it with you, and this, this last message in this series on light is one that I want us to take very seriously and put it into practice. So I'm going to give you three points built on words beginning with the letter I, so that I... As you say to yourself, I will remember what this is about. Those three words are identity, integrity, and influence. And I want to use those as a um, structure as we look at these three verses. Identity, integrity, and influence. Now remember, Jesus has said, you're the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, and it has to do with these three I words identity Jesus is giving us our identity and identity is a huge topic right now in our culture identity can be stolen has anybody lost their identity I get pin codes from the government and everyone else because apparently my identity has been stolen which I don't understand if anybody ever stole my identity I would think they would give it back pretty quickly you know, do you really want to live all of my life? Go right ahead. You know. And they stole my identity, but I still know who I am. But identity theft is apparently a big thing, and yet it raises the question, what are we really calling our identity if it can be so easily stolen? People are trying to find their identity. I don't know that that's new but quite often when a, you have a friend or a family member, or maybe you've even done this, and you say, I don't know anymore, I don't know, I've got to go find myself. and I'm always so tempted to say, well, you're right here, there you are, look. But sometimes I understand that. We feel lost. We feel lost and we're searching for something, and that's a real experience. And we might say that we're searching for our real identity, Who am I really? Have I lived my life to please others? Have I lived my life living by what others' expectations of me are? Or do I really know who I'm supposed to be? And where are you going to find that identity? Well, Jesus has an answer. Identity politics is a thing, and I'm resisting the need to define that because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and it turns into a lot of controversial arguments. And the whole idea of finding identity to bring us together, oddly enough, seems to separate us. But just know that it's a thing. And it's a thing because identity matters to people. So when I'm addressing you as disciples of Jesus or as people who are interested in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus gives you His identity. He gives you your identity. And that identity is based on who he is. Now Jesus said that he's the light of the world, but in this passage he says you are the light of the world. Well, which is it? It's both. Because as Christians, the word Christian literally translates to uh, imitators of Christ or little Christ. We're following him. As he is the light of the world, we're like him, and we are also the light of the world. I know that salt of the earth doesn't really fit in with light. It's a new phrase, and what does it mean here? It works together. For disciples, our identity and our place in the world is a gift that's given to us by Jesus. The earth and the world here are not two separate places. It's two different terms, but it's the same. It simply means When you talk of the earth, you talk of all the peoples on the earth. Uh, So that when we sing songs or we read poetry or we read scripture that says, all the earth will praise him. It doesn't mean the rock that we're living on. It means the people who inhabit it. When we talk about the world that we live in or the world that's out there, we're still referring to the people who are out there. This is simply a way of talking about all of humanity and the habitation in which we live and Jesus is saying as regards that as regards your place among all those other people and in the world that you inhabit the the environments that you live in the networks that you live in we might say he says in that you're salt and light meaning your identity is very distinct it's noticeable just like Saltiness among all other flavors and foods is noticeable. Just like light, even in the darkest darkness, is noticeable. This is your identity. This is your place in the world. But why are we distinct? Are we distinct just because we have silly practices, because we are supposed to be a peculiar people? Oh, yeah, and you know, over history, there are times that we have really gotten our peculiar on. Uh, I mean, we've been so peculiar that I don't know that that peculiarity is what we thought it was. We just kind of thrived in that peculiarity and said, we're different, we're just not like everybody else. Why? Because we're not like everybody else. And we come up with some of a circular argument where we say we can't do this because that's what other people are doing. Well, that's not good enough. This distinction that Jesus is pointing out, I think, takes us to our next word, which is integrity. Integrity. Think about the times that you use the word integrity. There's a very uh, virtuous use of the word, and then there's a very uh, matter-of-fact use of the word. To say that something has integrity might mean that it's holding together. To say that something has integrity might mean that it's all there. There. You know, it's like an old game. Have you ever been cleaning out your closets and you find some old board game or something like that? And you're excited because it's like, oh, here's a nostalgic piece of my childhood. Wouldn't it be fun to get the family together to play this game? And you bring the game board down and guess what? Half the pieces are missing, you know. It's just not there anymore. It's like we don't know. The little shoe and the little dog have absconded. We only have half the money. Maybe they ran off with it. But you, don't, you can't play the game anymore because it's, it doesn't have the same integrity. It's not whole. It's not complete. But integrity also has to do with somebody being consistent in their practice, in their speech, the things that they do and they say go together. In fact, integrity might be summed up in that phrase that we always think of in the legal arena where somebody says, do you promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help you God. Our integrity is the whole truth. It means that there's a wholeness to it. There's a completeness to it. There is a truthfulness to it. That's the distinction that disciples of Christ have In this world on this earth is that we are people who are committed to the whole truth it's who we are it's not just something that we put on once a week it's not just something that we do every once in a while it's not something that we say well you know uh, you know there's those of us who are followers of Jesus who really get this down and they do it well and they work extra hard like our beloved preacher Dr. Benjamin he's special thank you I Was waiting for that and for the rest of us though we're happy being C minus Christians but he's gonna get us to heaven watch out <laughs> because that's gonna get us all lost that kind of thinking all right Jesus says it's you it's your integrity and he says you don't have to belabor this after this passage where he talks about you you me being salt and light He says, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and he says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, anything more comes from the devil. In other words, don't complicate this. You don't have to have special credentials, you don't have to have a special position, you don't have to have a special title, just let your yes be yes, let your no be no, just be consistent, have integrity, that's the whole truth. It's that simple. I know it's not always simple to do, but it is simple to do. To understand and to apply and i believe that with his power behind us we can and will do it and i think we can do it more and more because the same spirit i want you to know i'm not anything special compared to all of you i, I really i'm being serious now you know the same spirit that empowers me is the same spirit that empowers you same spirit that raised jesus from the grave is the same spirit that's in work in us Everything that we are and everything that makes us exceptional and and gives us our identity, it is all a gift from God. And, And none of you are any more remote from that or disqualified from that than anyone else. We all surrender to Him. We all submit to Him, and He gives us that spirit. That's the integrity that makes us distinct. And it's that loss of integrity among Christians in the world that has spoiled our salt and dimmed our light. Now, I'm going to say something here that, that uh, it's going to be hard to hear, but we need, we need to name this. We need to name this so that we can do better. Integrity is important for our identity as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's our distinction. And that loss of integrity has spoiled it. For too long, non-Christians, people outside the church, even people inside the church, have seen unsalty Christian behavior. They have seen very dim Christian behavior, and it's given them a dim view of the church. This has happened recently. It's happened long before. But it, it almost justifies people's disappointment with the church, with religion, with God, with Jesus. And it justifies that. And when we see Christian leaders who align themselves with worldly things, then people who are already put off by that turn against it. And they say, well, see, that just justifies my whole set of beliefs that the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, I know people do that, but that's not fair. You know what? You're right. It's not fair. It's not fair that we should get judged because of the actions of a few or maybe a lot of unsalty, dim-lighted Christians, okay? But you know what? Who cares? It's not fair, but that doesn't matter. You can claim fairness and you can ask for fairness, or you can be salt and be light. You can claim fairness and it won't matter. So get over that. Let's all just get over that. We want to be treated fairly. We want to be respected. We want to be seen for what we really are. Don't judge us by the bad apples. Fine. Then be good apples. Quit worrying about how others judge. Quit worrying about how we're, we're polling. You know, let's just be salt and light. Do you think Jesus had a bad reputation? He did. He was regard. He even described the problem. He said, "What am I going to do with you people?" John the Baptist shows up. He, he's wearing a you know he's wearing a camel hair shirt. He you know, he's got you know he hadn't had a shave or a haircut in forever. He's been subsisting on honey. Uh, he's got cricket legs in his beards because he's been eating locusts, You know, and he's out there preaching in the desert. And you people say, "Why you know he's got a demon." Jesus says, here I come, I'm I'm dressed decently, I'm going to parties and everything, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard. Fickle generation, he says. But that judgment of the crowds is not what matters. I do believe that our distinction as a people of integrity, I believe that that will stand out. Integrity means that we can just be humble and honest. We don't have to apologize for others, but maybe we should. And maybe there are times that we do. But we can just be humble and we can say, you know, I dislike this as much as anybody. I dislike it when these leaders not only fail, but don't seem to care about their actions and their attitudes. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm searching for my identity, too. I want to have integrity. And I'm going to be honest about who I am and what I believe. I think people who would be so honest and so humble, I think that that would be distinct in the world today. To have a people who are just truthful, without arrogance, without being pompous, without being overly apologetic, without being self-loathing, Nobody needs that. You know, we don't need to go and, uh, you know, walk over broken glass or, you know, crawl over it on our hands and knees and say to the world, look at us, we're sorry about everything. Nobody's served by that. Let's just be humble. Let's just be honest. Let's live the way that our Savior teaches us to. And, And if we did that, I think that that would be the best way that we could have the greatest influence. You noticed I changed my light there, didn't you? Yeah. There's a reason why. When I think about this phrase where Jesus says, what do you do when you light a a lamp? You don't hide it under a bucket. No, what you do is you put it up on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. Yesterday I was helping my folks clean out their house. And one of the things that I brought home with me was an oil lamp, a lot like this one that you see in the picture a very old lamp made of glass. Um, It belonged to my grandfather. My grandfather built the stand for it. He gave it to my parents. It sat over our TV for years. I remember, well the first time I remember my father lighting that lamp would have been somewhere around 1979, 1980, something like that. Because it's a time when we had a huge uh, snowstorm right around Christmas, and we were without power for days. We had to block off parts of the house. We had to all gather around the stove. We had to cook on the wood stove. Dad brought a generator in from his company. But I remember to give light when we were without power. He lit that lantern and then put it back up on the stand that my grandfather had built. And I remember seeing that light go up and how much the room lit up. That light was hitting every wall, and it's the image of that that stands out to me to this day. We have influence, but we only have influence if we live out this salt and light way of living among others. We have to be the city on the hill. And for too long... uh, We have assumed that giving light to the rest of the world, that's everybody else in the house, that it's going to be some sort of slick, creative way that will do it all at once. Where Jesus has simply said, you light a lamp, you put it on a stand, everybody notices it. We want to show up and say, hey, you know what we should do? We should rig this up with 220 power, use carbon arc lights, or let's use super LEDs or something like that, we'll have a nova burst explosion and everybody will show up at once and we'll be done. That's not necessary. Our influence comes, out, comes from living out who we are, not from technique. We're always trying to find some new technique. How do we lasso them and corral them? How do we get them in here? And so we start doing things unintentionally like bait and switch tactics. We want everybody to show up for this. And while you're in here, we're going to kind of come around, uh, you know, in a subversive way and say, now I want you in this church. That, that's not how any of us became believers. That's not how any of us become disciples. We noticed people. We noticed people who were living this out, who really meant it. We saw that it was authentic. We said, I just want to be more like that. I know there, there's something wrong with my identity. There's an emptiness. There's a lostness that I feel. But these people seem to be dealing with that. These people really seem to be managing that. And you talk to someone, someone who loved you, someone who cared about you. Maybe it was family. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was just somebody else. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a teacher. But you said, I, I see that. In other words, their light had been lifted up by God and it gave light to you, And now he wants to light your lamp and set it up for others to see. Don't, don't worry about the technique. Don't worry about the activity. Don't worry about how it's done. Just keep that light shining wherever you're at as you go about your life every day. Just don't cover it up under a bucket. Don't douse it. Be the city on a hill. Identity in Jesus as salt and light with integrity. And that integrity is important because it means that we're being honest and humble about who we are and we're striving to live and to be more like him. We're imitating Jesus. But that identity along with that integrity, that is the influence that would lead others to glorify God. I said this in the prayer this morning, but did you notice in the text what it says? It's not that we have to find more and more ways to glorify God. Glorifying God is great. We need to do that. When we come together in worship, we glorify Him. We praise Him. Why? Because He's worthy of it. And it's good for us to rehearse that and practice that. But Jesus says, let your light shine so that others will see your good works. And who's going to glorify your Father in heaven? They are. They are. When we have the Jesus identity and we live it out with integrity, then our influence is they say, hey, those people are genuine. That's real. Their God is worthy of something, of being praised. That's how it's done. God will take care of the rest of it. God will win the souls. God will impact the world. God will make himself known to them just as he makes himself known to us. But you and I just have to be the city on the hill. You and I just have to shine. And maybe this is a good verse for us to take with us along with the three I words. In the message, Peterson takes this verse in in verse 15. He says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? see, it's a nonsense statement. Why would you light a light and then cover it up? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. That's what we're called to do. That's the rationale behind night to shine. It's a night for everyone to shine. Those who are volunteers, those who are kings and queens, those who come in from the community to join us. And it's not limited to February 11th. It's not limited to Night to Shine. That's our calling every day, is to shine. Just have the identity of Jesus as salt and light. Keep the integrity, so that even on days when you don't feel very shiny, you're honest and humble about that. And you're looking for what God will do to make you better than what you can be on your own. God will God'll put you on the stand. He'll put you out there where he needs you. We just have to trust in him. When we shine, it isn't us glorifying God, but the world gives glory to our Father. And when that happens, we need to back them up. We need to back up our friends, our neighbors, strangers, and just say, good for you. Good for you. You know what we know now. Would you pray with me? Father... You have given us light. We thank you for the gift of light. Father, we take it for granted that we live in a world with light. Uh, The darkness frightens us. The darkness scares us. The darkness can, um, can deceive us. It can consume us. Father, never let us take for granted your light. Your light that is within us. We can pay so much attention to the shadows in the corner, the shadows above us, the shadows around us. But your light is there. And I pray that you will teach us to trust in you so that we may live out this salt and light identity. Not in a manipulative way, so that we can uh, rack up converts, not in a way that's deceptive or bait-and-switch, but in a way that is really about integrity, Lord. Give us that sense of integrity and just to celebrate everyone then, regardless of numbers, who because of that sees a glimmer of your light and they learn to glorify you as well. We're ready to be the city on the hill, Lord. We're ready to be the light that shines in the world. We're ready to be the salt for all peoples on earth. Place us where you will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand, please.